know a lot about music, but I do know this, that the more notes you get into something, the more difficult it is. When my daughters would have, you know, music, and I'd see a lot of black, it means there's a lot, I don't know, 16th, 8th, all those extra notes in there. I'm like, I know that's harder. (laughs) And that one, I'm sure, was very difficult, but she did a great job. All right, we're going to continue talking about uh, understanding your new life in Christ. I don't want to take much time to review so we can get right into the lesson, but um, we mentioned, first of all, it is a changed life. So once we get saved, you have Christ as your Savior, we get a new life. It's different than before you were saved. And if we go through all these things, and we've mentioned that before, all these things and, and you don't have this new life, then it's time to get new life and receive Christ as your Savior, and your life will change. But uh, he gives us a changed life. He gives us eternal life. It lasts forever. And we get it as soon as we get saved. And then we uh, took a little turn there last week and talked about uh, the fact that it is a battling life. It's not an easy life. You know, sometimes these TV preachers will get on and, you know, they're standing there with all smiles and their, you know, million-dollar smile and You know, something wonderful is going to happen to you today. Well, you actually, something bad might happen to you today, you know. So it's not just because you get saved that everything's going to be perfect now. But what happens is at least now we have the Lord to help us through those difficult things, and he gives us a new perspective and all that. But it is a battling life. We're on God's side. And we have three enemies we've discussed. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil. They all conspire together against God and against our soul. Uh, and, and, but we don't have to worry about that because we can confess our sins. God is willing to forgive us. And I want to give you the next point, number four. It's a victorious life. It might be a battling life, but we don't have to be defeated by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We don't have to be defeated by sin. So we want to talk about number four in the outline. If you have your outline, it is a victorious life. Every uh, Christian is going to struggle. There's a struggle that goes on. If you're truly saved, there's a struggle. Part of you wants to do what's right because you have a new nature. You have the Holy Spirit living inside. Part of you doesn't. Part of you wants to sin. Part of you, when God wants you to go to church, part of you doesn't want to go to church. When God wants you to read the Bible, part of you doesn't want to read the Bible. God wants you to witness. Part of you doesn't want to witness. The flesh, as we mentioned, is one of those enemies that doesn't like to submit to God. And we can see this uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit. I think that's a key word there, against. The flesh is against the spirit of God. And it also says, and the spirit against the flesh. So the Holy Spirit who lives inside of a believer is against the works of the flesh. These works, and those are listed also in Galatians chapter 5. And they're not good, the works of the flesh. All, all the, the, the strife, the pride, the envy, all that stuff. Uh, and he said these are contrary the one to the other. So the flesh and the spirit are contrary. They're against each other. And they live together <laughs> in, in the life of every believer, you know. So I guess if you could picture, you know, two, two siblings sharing a room and they're against each other. <laughs> it 
you can see what would go on. Except for the fact that in the case of the siblings, they're both bad. <laughs> they both are disposed to sin. God the Holy Spirit is not disposed to sin. He's against it, and so he's going to uh, be against our sin and against our flesh. And there's a real battle. There's this real struggle. I know you're saying, you talked about the battling life last week. Yes, but we're going to get on toward the victorious part. Uh, God hasn't left us to fight this battle alone. Okay, we have, yes, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil waging war against us because it's really waging war against God. But he has given us the Holy Spirit not just to have this conflict inside, but to be victorious and give us the victory. All right, so the Holy Spirit of God dwells, indwells in every true believer. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It clearly says, the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And he was talking to the believers in the church there of Corinth. So the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And that happens the moment we receive Christ as our Savior. He sends the Spirit of God uh, into us. Now, the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to do a whole lesson on the Holy Spirit here, but he, he has a great ministry. He convicts us, all right? Now that word, uh, he, he'll reprove us, he'll convict us, he'll convince us, all sorts of things going on there. That conviction is, he's trying to show us that, you know, what is true is in fact true. And what is wrong is in fact wrong because our heart is deceitful. It doesn't want to believe God sometimes. And there's a whole host of false prophets out there that are there to tell us that What's true isn't really true. Well, the Bible doesn't really mean that. What it means is this over here. And the devil is really clever at redefining all sorts of biblical terms. Uh, grace being one of them, right? Grace is this now liberty that I can go do whatever I want. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace, so I can go do what I want. That's not what grace is. You can read the whole chapter, Titus chapter 2, and part of that, near the end, you're going to see that the grace of God teaches us to deny worldliness and ungodly lusts. So the grace that the Bible talks about is the ability to deny the sinfulness that, that's pulling on us. The grace of the world is, yeah, hey, you know, you're under grace. You don't have to worry about do this, don't do this. You, you, you can do what you want. It's all good now. Jesus made it all good. Doesn't that sound, you know, warm and fuzzy? No, it sounds heretical. <laughs> he didn't come and die for your sins so that you can sin. Okay? So, uh, yeah, so we have the Holy Spirit in us. He convicts us. He teaches us. He's our teacher. He he helps us to understand the scripture where before we didn't understand the scripture. He'll guide us into all truth, the Bible says. He empowers us to be able to deny ungodliness. He empowers us to be able to witness. And so in the flesh, I don't really want to witness. In the flesh, I'm powerless to witness. 
But when I yield to the Holy Spirit and he's working through me, I do want to give out the word of God to others. And I do want to encourage them. And I can see God work through me. And he helps me to know what to say. In the flesh, I don't know what to say. And so the, the Lord really does um, so much through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside us as believers. And if there's no evidence of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, well, then again, probably don't have new life in Christ because new life in Christ gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, he'll give us the victory over sin when we yield to him and we're willing to follow his ways. And that brings the problem. Sometimes we're not willing to yield to him. We want to yield to what we want to do. And we're just like, I'm busy doing my own will right now. And when I get around to it, I'll do what God wants. But right now, I'm just going to vent a little bit and do what I want. That's rebellion against God. You know, God doesn't say, you know, you can come around and serve me when you feel like it and do what you want the rest of the time. And we can't expect that we can live in peace and harmony when we're in such a, such a condition. And so, in Galatians chapter number 5, in verse number 16, uh, we already read verse 17, but I'll go back and where it says in verse 16, he tells us, and there's a promise here, this is a command, but also a promise, and God often does that. He gives us a prod and a promise, right? And he says, walk in the Spirit. He says, that's what I want you to do. Walk in the Spirit. And if you do, he says, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the Holy Spirit is going to prompt us. He's going to prod us. He's going to push us. He's going to tug on our heart when we're tempted to sin and tempted to yield. And he can say, no, you shouldn't do that. And we know from other parts of Scripture, he doesn't yell and scream and shout at us. He speaks in a still, small voice shouldn't do that. Now, what is screaming at us is our flesh. Feed me. Fulfill my desires. And really, who you listen to and who you yield to and who you want to please is the one who will end up the victor. Now, we don't have to live in defeat. Many Christians do. Many times we do live in defeat. We know what we're supposed to do. We just don't want to do it. And what happens? We yield to the flesh and we fail. This battle ends up in a loss instead of a victory. Not because of God. He has equipped us. He's given us the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit has the tool. It's the Word of God. So if we're not reading the Bible as we should, he doesn't have the weapon in his hand that he'd like to have to do battle against this flesh. That's why it's good for us to memorize Scripture so that the words there and the Holy Spirit who lives in us can prompt us and say, hey, what about this? Yeah. So the Holy Spirit, God's given us, the, the, the loss is not, our, it's not his fault, it's our fault. He's given us the Word of God, he's given us the Spirit of God to live within us and to empower us and to help us. He's given us this promise that if we walk in the Spirit, meaning we're going to follow him, we're going to listen to him. Can two walk together except they be agreed, the Scripture says? So we're walking in agreement with God. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. 
We're going to be in agreement with the Holy Spirit, with what he's trying to teach through his word, and how he's going to lead us, and how he's going to help us, and how he's going to guide us. We're walking in the Spirit. We're in agreement with God. As we do that, he says, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the problem comes in when I'm in disagreement with God. And don't look at me like you are. Yeah, sometimes you are too. And that's where the problem comes. It is a victorious life, and we have the victory as we exercise faith in the Word of God. But we don't always exercise that faith. We don't always yield to the Spirit. Now, so it is possible for a Christian to have defeat. So I'm not saying that if you never, you know, that um, if you experience a defeat once in a while that you're not saved. I'm not saying that at all. But if you truly are a Christian, you have everything at your disposal. And, and when you do walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of flesh. What that tells me, if we're truly saved, not only can we, but we should be having some victory in our life. And it goes back to our relationship with the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit. And how do we walk in the Spirit? We're yielding to the Spirit. We're in agreement with the Spirit. We're letting His Word, the sword of the Spirit, work in our heart, yield to that, and move in the direction that God wants us. Um, so if you ever wonder what walking in the Spirit is, that's what we're, we're talking about. Okay? And as we do that, okay, we listen to His warnings, we listen to His Word, and we yield to Him and we lean upon him for deliverance from, from our, our sin and from the deceptiveness of sin, then he gives us victory and he delivers us. Then we have another promise found in Romans chapter 8, verse number 2. He tells us that he'll set us free from this sin that is trying to shackle us. And really, we do get shackled to sin. When you yield to sin, you're actually, you're actually saying, here, yes, put me in handcuffs right now. And when we yield to sin, it, it binds us. It's a, a decision to sin is a decision to be held captive by that sin. We need to be set free. And that's what Romans 8.2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So there's a law of sin and death. And we understand that law. It's raging within us. It, uh, our flesh wants to sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And sin destroys all sorts of things. Relationships, peace, harmony, all, all sorts of things. So we see that there's that law, but there's a higher law going on. And that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And he, Jesus, is more powerful than the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit of God is, is, a, is more powerful, and he lives within us, more powerful than the law of sin and death. So there's two laws going on, right? Um, I, I, can, uh, I can illustrate it this way. I'm, I'm holding my keys. There's a law in effect right here. If I let go, there's a law called gravity. It just pulls it right down. All right? But there's another law 
uh, going on here too. I'm hold, I've got something holding this back, and that's preventing it from hitting the ground. There's another law going on, right? And so there's some resistance to that. And we have a greater law that's working in our lives, and that is the law of the Spirit of God. If we yield to him, we can have victory. So God doesn't leave us weak and uh, defenseless. Okay, we're not weak and defenseless. Uh, I was just reading the other day in uh, Hebrews. We don't have to be weak because he gives us grace to be able to serve him. In Hebrews uh, uh, 12, verse 28, it says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So God gives us grace to be able to serve him. You say, well, I struggle serving God sometimes. I'm just so weak. Ask for grace. And I was reading this morning my devotions, which is exciting. In, in uh, uh, James chapter 4, uh, verse number 6, it says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore God uh, saith, uh, Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So, We need grace to serve the Lord, and God gives more grace. We just humble ourselves, and he'll give us the grace that we need to be able to serve. So he doesn't leave us weak, nor does he leave us defenseless. I don't have time, um, but you could look up Ephesians chapter number 6, verses 10 through 18, where it talks about the armor of God. He gives us the protection that we need, and when we put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God... We're able to withstand. We're able to do battle against uh, this evil world, the devil, the flesh. All we can be victorious. So it's a battling life, yes, but it's a victorious life. Whether it's on the battlefield or in sports, I think we most of us are more in, involved with sports, and sometimes sports feels like it's a battle. <laughs> you're out there, and you're just you're just fighting for the victory, and it's hard. But when you win, all that struggle was worth it. You're not like, oh yeah, that was so horrible. You're like, yeah, you know, all you can think about is the victory. So let us not focus on how horrible the battle is because we have the Holy Spirit to help us through and be victorious. And if we're not victorious, remember, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. And it's revealing about us and our character. And that's why God says, if we humble ourselves, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we can humble ourselves and say, Lord, I am weak. I am so easily defeated. I need your help and strength. Then he'll step in and say, okay, here I, I'm here to help. But someone says, oh, I got this. Or it's just, it's just not my fault I did that. I was tempted. It was the temptation's fault. And we make all excuses and we're resisting God. We're just proud. We're never going to get his help and his grace and victory that way. All right, so there you, there you go. Victorious life. I got to get another point in today so that We can try to finish up next week. So number five. All right, so it's a victorious life. Number five, it's an obedient life. If you truly are saved, there should be some evidence of that. 
and saved people should be obedient to God. We don't expect the lost to obey God and his word, do we? I mean, it would be nice if they did, but we don't expect them to because they're opposed to God. A true sign of our love to God is our obedience. I mean, if we're saved, we should love God. If he's our heavenly father, we should love God. And Jesus said in John 14, 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. What does that mean then? If I want to show love to God, I should obey him. And when I don't show love to God, I'm showing that, I mean, don't obey him, I'm showing that I don't love him. And we can sit here and sing the song, Oh, How I Love Jesus, but if we're doing the exact opposite of what he wants us to do, the truth is, we don't love him like we say we do. It's just words. So, one of the, if we're going to talk about obedience then, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the very first thing a saved person should do. You know, if you have received Christ as your Savior recently, you should be obedient to him and whatever he says in the word. And one of the first things that he says a saved person should do is get baptized. Okay? Paul, I mean, sorry, Peter instructed in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, repent. That means turn from your sin and, and, and toward the Lord Jesus Christ, putting our faith in him. He said, repent. And then the next thing he says, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of of Jesus Christ. Every one of you who have repented and received Christ as Savior, get baptized. Um, the reason we don't baptize babies is they can't repent. They can't believe. There has to be an understanding of their sinfulness and a repentance and a turning to Christ and trusting him for salvation. But once we have done that, whether uh, the person is a child or a senior citizen. God says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, old, young, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, or in the name of Jesus Christ. So, baptism, okay, it's a picture. It's, that doesn't save us, it's a picture of what He did for us when He died on the cross. When we're submerged, when a person's submerged in the water, it's a picture of the death, the burial, of Christ, when they come out of the water, right? Because we don't leave people under the water when we baptize them. <laughs> we pull them back up, right? Uh, and we don't leave them down there for three days and three nights either. Uh, we pull them back up pretty quickly. And, and when someone comes out of the water, it's a picture of the resurrection of Christ. We're not trusting water to wash away our sin. It's a picture showing I have trusted Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection for my salvation. And it doesn't wash away sin. It just symbolizes what does. And that's Christ dying, shedding his blood. And since baptism is a command, then we should prove our love to God by getting baptized. So maybe there's someone here today that hasn't been baptized. Maybe you were baptized before you were saved. Well, that wasn't baptism. You got, got wet, but it wasn't for the right reason. 
to, to show as a testimony that you've been saved. Some churches, they baptize people in order to get saved. It doesn't get them saved. If you were baptized in a church that teaches that you had to get baptized to have your sins washed away, well, then you got baptized for the wrong reason. It's not true, proper baptism. Baptism comes after repentance and faith in Christ. So if you have received Christ, you have repented, you received him, and you have not yet been baptized after that, you should get baptized. If you have any questions about that, during the morning service, our pastor's going to preach, and at the end, he, we have an invitation. Come on down. If you need to get saved, you can talk to someone about salvation. If you need to uh, figure out a little bit more about baptism, come on down, and we'll get someone to take the Bible and privately in another room, show you how to, what, it, what it means about baptism. And then we have a, uh, a baptism service uh, most Sunday nights. So... You can learn more about that if you come down and talk to someone after the service during the invitation. Uh, So let me just say this. It's difficult for someone to take more steps for the Lord if they don't take the first step. Okay? You get into a car. I know, I'm just thinking old school. Okay? You put the key in the ignition. I know there's these cars now that you don't have to have the key in the ignition. You just have to push. Back. Okay, I'm just, just go old school with me for a moment, okay? You get in the car and you want to put it in drive and step on the gas pedal. There's a step, there's some processes. You have to first put the key in the ignition and turn it on. Then you can put it in gear. And then you can step on the gas pedal. You can... Try to put it in gear. You can step on the gas pedal all you want. If it's not on, it ain't going anywhere. You got to take step number one first. In the same way, it's going to be very difficult for you to go anywhere in the Christian life if you don't take the first step. Take that first step of obedience. Show your love to God. And because if you're truly saved, it should be marked by some obedience to God. And God blesses people who obey him. Isn't that a blessing? And so often we fight against him. Oh, I'm not going to do what he says. I'm not going to do it. And we miss out on his blessings. We don't have to have a life that's so deprived of his blessings. So if you've not been baptized, do so soon. You can even do it today. But let me just say this. Baptism is just the first of many steps that God wants us to take. It really does matter after you get saved, whether you, bat, uh, whether you uh, obey God or not. You know, some people say, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, that's all that counts, that's all good now, I can do what I want. I got, I got my fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. And when I feel like obeying God, I'll obey God, and it's okay, and when I don't, I'm just, I'm just going to live my life for a while. When I'm older than, you know, like those old guys up there, then I'll turn around and start serving God. Well, it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, let me give you this passage in Deuteronomy 11, verses 26 through 28. We've got three verses here. Deuteronomy 11, 26 to 28, he says, Behold, this is God speaking to his people, Israel. And I think the principle applies to us also because if you're saved, you're one of his people. He said, Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Now, just hearing that, you'd say, well, which one do I want, a blessing or a curse? I want blessings, okay? You want a curse on your life? 
Here you go. I'll show you how. I'll show you how you can have the blessing. He said, a blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. Wow. So if I obey God, I get blessed. Then he said, and a curse if you obey not the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. So really, it all depends on what we want. You want to have a life full of blessings or you want a life that's cursed? Like every time you turn the corner, like it's a disaster. And nothing seems to work. Well, when you fight against God, it's not going to work. I'll tell you this, sometimes when you're following God, you're going to have problems too, but at least you got God to get you through them. You'll see the victory through it. Not so when you're uh, living a life of, of being cursed. So God expects his children to be obedient. And when we are, we're blessed. And when we're not, we're chastened in an, in an attempt for God to correct us. And if we, if we can live contrary to the word of God without being chastened, without being corrected, you can just read Hebrews chapter 12, and it just simply says that we're illegitimate children. We're really not children of God. You can live a life so contrary to the Bible with no chastening, no correction for it, probably not saved. So, what does that tell us? A saved life should be an obedient life. And when you're obedient, you're blessed. So, if you experience that, isn't that a blessing? And if you haven't taken those steps that God wants you to take, take them. If you've been holding off on that baptism, don't hold off. Get baptized the right way. It's immersion, not sprinkling, not pouring. And it's for the right reason, not to get forgiven, not for all these other things, but to show obedience to God and show the symbol of what he did for us on the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've given us your word to understand our new life in Christ. Thank you that you give new life. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't have that new life, that today they might repent of their sin and turn to Jesus for salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would um, help those. Maybe there's someone here that's not taken that first step of obedience. They know it. They've received you, but they've not been scripturally baptized. Well, I pray that you give them help, encouragement, and strength to be willing to take that step. Maybe... Come down at the invitation today and talk to someone or catch someone after the service and get some questions answered about that. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us all who are saved to have a victorious life, not to yield to the flesh and realize you've given us everything we need to have victory. And when we don't, it's not your fault, it's our fault. And it should humble us to come to you and ask for that grace that we need. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and thankful for how you've worked through the lesson. I pray it's been a help and encouragement to your people. Give us a good service to follow, Lord, and empower and strengthen our pastor. We thank you for him. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's take a break. We'll